So, it's been recorded. So anybody who's uh, been in any children's work or grew up in Sunday school or anything like that might have heard that song and maybe singing it already. Zacchaeus was a very little man and a very little man was he, but we're not (laughs) going to sing today. And maybe you remember the kids song, but have we taken notice when we read this story of the actual encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus that day? If you look at this story in the King James Version, verse two has this phrase which is and behold and it's basically it's a command it's a command to take notice basically do you see what's going to happen what are you going to learn from this encounter so today we're just going to briefly look at this encounter with this little man and see maybe how his story teaches something about our own relationship with the lord which is what we're here for isn't it so we know zacchaeus that he was a tax collector And in those days, that means that he wrote for the occupying forces. He worked for Rome. He was very rich, but he was despised. He was a social outcast, basically. And nobody likes the tax gatherers. And just to say, if anyone works for inland revenue, we're not talking about the inland revenue. It was a corrupt system. It wasn't a good system. And Zacchaeus was part of that corrupt system to make it even worse. He worked basically for the occupiers. He worked for the people that they didn't want there. So he was a traitor and he was considered a traitor. And Zacchaeus was oppressing people as well for his own selfish gain. To make things worse, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector for the region. He was basically like the CEO of all the tax collectors And what they used to do in those days is you would go and you would pay your tax and say it was uh, the equivalent to £10. You'd have to give him £10 and he would take maybe £7 of that and give it to the Romans. And he'd say to the Romans, I've collected the tax from such and such a person. And then he'd pocket three more. And every single person he was raking it in. And maybe as this chief tax collector, he was going up to the booths of the other people and saying, what profit have you made? And they'll say, I've made £100 today. And they'll say, right, I want 30 So he wasn't a very nice man, let's face it. We also know he was a traitor because he was Jewish. Verse 9, Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. Now, in this encounter, had Jesus just listened to public opinion and what people thought, he would have ignored Zacchaeus, who would have rejected him. But Jesus was not like that. I'm so glad. Jesus came to herald the kingdom of God, came to herald the values of the kingdom. He had a love for the tax collectors, for the outcasts and the lost. Jesus didn't care what public opinion meant. He was coming to save that which was lost, just as he came to save us. Jesus in uh, We read in Philippians 2 verse 7 of Jesus, he made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Zacchaeus was a man Jesus had to reach that day. He was, in a sense, on his hit list that day. He needed to speak to him. He needed to show his grace to him. Because he was a man of great riches. He was a man that everyone knew about. But sadly, he would have been a lonely man. It would have been a long time since anyone went to see Zacchaeus and went round for a cup of tea, went for something to eat or the equivalent in those days. That's important 
In Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is very much a part of everyday life, even now. So it would have been tough that nobody bothered with poor little Zacchaeus, apart from those people such as the Romans going for their share of the tax. No doubt then, as stories grew of this man, Jesus, and word spread to Zacchaeus, perhaps he heard conversation when he was there at the tax booth, and maybe he heard this man called Jesus is coming, and he must have had the curiosity. He'd no doubt heard stories about Jesus. He'd heard things that he'd done. He'd heard some of the stories that people told about him. Perhaps as the chief tax collector, he was responsible for Matthew, of course. And Matthew went on to become a follower of Jesus. So perhaps he thought to himself, well, I know Matthew went off with this Jesus. What can I find out about him? And I know he's coming into town, so I want to see him. I want to have a bit of a look. I want to check him out. I want to listen to what he's talking about. Now, next year, we have a coronation, don't we? We've got the coronation of King Charles III. And no doubt in the days leading up to it, people will be camping out in London and there'll be all the barriers up there, a bit like when the Queen's carriage came past at the funeral. And people, of course, they'll be desperate to be right at the front of the queue because they'll want to catch a sight of whatever, whether it's a carriage bringing the king along. They'll want to be there and they'll be snapping pictures, etc. And we know that when Jesus came anywhere, there was often lots of crowds and people wanting to see exactly what was going on. So he thought to himself, OK, how am I going to get to see Jesus? As I've said before, as we read in scripture, he was a little man. Now, in those days, he would have been a very little man because people are even smaller than they are today. Just a bit of genetics there. And they reckon from skeletal remains found that the average person was five foot five. So Paul Zacchaeus was probably about five feet or under five feet. So this little man, how's he going to see Jesus? He's pretty small just to be pressing through in a busy crowd. Nobody's going to help him because nobody likes him. He's going down the garden to eat worms, as the children's song says. Nobody would say, hey, Zacchaeus, squeeze through this gap so we can see you. The real issue and a good problem to have is everybody wanted to get close to Jesus. Some out of nosiness, others generally wanted to meet this man. But Zacchaeus was the man who most needed to meet Jesus that day. Materially, he had everything. But actually, in eternity, he had nothing. This sad, lonely man. So you can kind of imagine him thinking about it. And Zacchaeus plots a little plan out. Remember, he's a bit of a schemer, Zacchaeus. He's used to thinking about little plans. And he spots a sycamore tree right by the pathway where Jesus will be passing. And the answer staring him in the face. So he thinks, right, I'm going to climb up that tree and I'm going to sneak up and nobody can see me. I'll get to the top of the tree and when I'm up there, I'll be looking and I'll see Jesus, but they won't see me. He'll be a bit like the paparazzi, I guess, hiding up there thinking nobody can see him. So picture him. He's sat there. He's got one hand on the tree, no doubt, and one hand holding on. And he's thinking to himself I wonder what's going to happen I wonder what Jesus is going to be like I wonder what sort of things he's going to say now we have to remember in those times the only people who climbed trees were children 
I know a few adults do it these days, but in those days, very much part of the Jewish male culture is they were respectable men and they, they wouldn't even run. So even in the story of the, um, what is it, the prodigal son, the father running towards his son was just not the done thing. So they, perhaps people would look at him and they would see him and they go, hey, it's Zacchaeus up there. And they start laughing at him. Perhaps they call him a fool. Perhaps they say, Zacchaeus up there, he's just like a child. Sometimes we see these hidden treasures in scriptures, don't we? In Zacchaeus, we see a man who was willing to humble himself. Maybe he knew there was a risk he'd be laughed at. Maybe he knew that day that he was going to go against all the social norms. Why? Because he wanted to meet with Jesus. It was worth it. Sometimes coming close to Jesus, obeying him, we have to ignore what other people say. We have to be willing to lose our reputation, don't we? Sometimes standing up and giving a testimony of how maybe we've had to repent, that can, it can be embarrassing. Let's admit it, admitting something we've done. But sometimes we just have to be willing to do so and not worry about ourselves, but worry about reaching out to Jesus. So moving on. Um, Zacchaeus had to do a very childish thing that day by climbing a tree to meet with Jesus but he was willing to be laughed at. Matthew 21, 31 says this, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. What are some of the lengths that people go to meet with Jesus? I think about the persecuted church. I think about people that face imprisonment, death to meet as Christians together to hear about Jesus. What of us, what do we do to get close to Jesus? What is the cost of truly living each moment in step with him, repenting, saying sorry when we need to do, just to come close to him? I think lots of people know about Jesus. They say they follow Jesus, but how many are truly walking with Jesus? Even in the church, we can quote scriptures, but do we truly know the author of the Bible that we read? So um, to move on then, back to Zacchaeus. He's listening away. He's up there, up the tree. And what happens? He hears his name being called. This man, this man, Jesus knows his name. In the midst of everything going on, Jesus has seen Zacchaeus. He's seen him, the little man, and he's up the tree. His eyes are drawn to this little guy. And perhaps he sees the lengths at which he's taken to try and meet with Jesus. The fact that he's risking his already low reputation to hear from him. Perhaps he's seen him before. Perhaps he's heard from others. Perhaps people have said, hey, do you know that little guy that sits by the gate? He's always ripping me off. Perhaps he's heard that. But it is an incredible encounter. How startled Zacchaeus of all people must have felt because Jesus knew his name. This man who was rejected by many was now being called by name by the Son of God, who too was soon to be rejected by his own people and crucified on the cross, if you read where it falls in the gospel. So out of all the crowd, and there were lots and lots of people, he calls to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus the tax collector, Zacchaeus the fraud, Zacchaeus the outcast, Zacchaeus the cheat. And he calls to us too, 
even in our selfishness, even if we're people who lose our temper at times, even if we're people that think the wrong thing, he calls out to us, he reaches out to us to pull us towards him. John 10 verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. It's important to know that he knows us by name. He knows what worries us. He knows the things that stresses us out. He knows the thoughts that are just flying around in our head. He knows the things that we feel bad about and we need to repent about. And he calls out to each one of us. Now, with Zacchaeus, he gives a command, a very simple, a very ordinary command, but it's so packed with grace and so packed with symbolism. What does he do? Jesus basically invites himself to eat, to stay at Zacchaeus's house. And he says to Zacchaeus, come down, come down immediately. Some versions say, hurry. There's an urgency in our response to Jesus. It's not like telling a teenager to hurry up and you wait 20 minutes. When Jesus calls out to us, we are to obey. And that can be a hard thing. Notice he doesn't say, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house but I need to share the gospel with you before I can enter. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, go get yourself straightened out. And when you're sorted, I'll pop around in a few weeks time. It's an immediate act. He comes to Zacchaeus at his sinful place. He comes to Zacchaeus at his point of need and he instigates the meeting. That's what he does with us, isn't he? He comes to us at our point of need. He comes to us at our point of repentance and he knows very graciously how to bring us back to him and bring us back to the cross. What's Zacchaeus's response then? Doesn't, he doesn't say, sorry, Jesus, my house isn't tidy. Sorry, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. No, we read that he came down and he welcomed him gladly. It's wonderful. When Jesus invites us to obey him, when he invites us to do something for him, when he invites us to repent, we should act with that same urgency, knowing that his plan is always best. You know, lots of people have heard the call of Jesus to serve him or to repent, and they've just put it off for another day. This man, Zacchaeus, then, he was somebody no one wanted to be around, but that day he got a visit from the Son of God. I think it's amazing, really. The Holy sinless Jesus was coming round to stay. Coming round to stay also meant they'd be sharing a meal together. That was the culture. In the Middle East, to offer up your home for a visitor was a sign of honour. And you wouldn't just pop around like we do today. Someone invites you around for a cuppa and maybe you go around for a few hours and that's it. But in those days, if someone invited you around, quite often you'll be around for lunch, you'll be around for dinner, you be around for supper, you might stop a few days. And it was a wonderful opportunity. It wasn't just a token pop along. And this is important, I think. Jesus was basically saying to Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. He was saying, I want to know you. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to trust you. I want to spend precious time with you. That's so important. I often think of the Last Supper that Jesus did. And the Last Supper, Jesus was talking about his impending death. But he knew that meal will bring peace between God the Father and mankind. 
And isn't that what happened to Zacchaeus that day? Zacchaeus found peace, but he only found peace because he repented. He only found peace because he took the invitation. Now, the passage we're reading, it's just a summary, really, of this encounter. And there seems to be a little bit of a gap between verse six and seven. For as he goes towards Zacchaeus's home, it was likely through conversation in that home that Jesus brings him to that place of repentance, a place of grace. And he realizes that he has to act practically as well. He realizes as well in saying sorry to the Lord that he has to make a financial sacrifice for those days in which he's cheated people. Following Jesus, his faith and its actions as a response. Um, our actions are a response to faith and a response to faith that we receive in our hearts. Now, for Zacchaeus, he had to repay those he had cheated and to make restitution for giving half his possessions to the poor. And I think how has meeting Jesus changed us? Have we had to repent of things? Have we had to say sorry to people? Have you ever maybe had to give things? I remember um, there was a big J. John, the evangelist, big mission quite a while ago in our area. And they had this kind of amnesty bin and people that had taken very simple things like pens from hotels, made they'd taken bathrobes and slippers and they were asked just to give them back. And in a sense, symbolically say sorry and symbolically give those things up as a sign of repentance. We know, of course, we don't earn our salvation, but we do these things as a sign of what Jesus has done within our hearts. That's the hard bit at times, isn't it? How does following Jesus affect our interactions in a world which doesn't have Jesus at its centre? Does our faith mark us out? Can people see from our actions that we love Jesus? You can learn a lot about people, can't you, when you visit the houses? I know one of the things with Zoom and other things, it's interesting to see people's backgrounds and you think to yourself, what room are they in and who are they with? And you look at the families and go, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so. You look at the photographs in the background, don't you? But we cannot put an act on. We can't just put a nice, fancy face on. We have to be totally honest when we spend time with Jesus because he sees through all the nice wallpapers and the nice hangings around. He only sees the true character within us. So, um, on to verse, back to Zacchaeus then. Whilst this encounter's going on, whilst he's having dinner with Jesus, whilst he's repenting and realizing it has to pay people back, the local gossips begin to talk and they begin unpacking what they'd seen as we see in verse seven. Culturally, Jesus had caused a stir. Why? He'd gone to the house of a tax collector. It would have been front page gossip. It was one of the very many things that eventually led the crowds to go against him and then eventually led, of course, to his crucifixion. And I wonder, Jesus never let the culture of the day stop him from showing the kingdom of God in action to anyone that he met. Then as now, our value, our standing in society shouldn't be measured just by what we do. It shouldn't be measured by the job we have. It should be that we are very evidently showing that we're living a life of grace, that we're walking with Jesus. It should be seen by people that we are willing to repent 
people should know, do you know what? And I like that person because they're willing to say sorry when nobody else is. But you can imagine the muttering of the crowd that day. Maybe they were saying, but Jesus, he's righteous. And now he's making himself unclean. He's hanging out at a tax collector's house. Has he lost his dignity? Imagine fraternizing with this man. How can we respect this teacher as a guest of a sinner? And whilst it's not recorded, of course, did some listeners think, do you know what? I've messed up. And if Jesus was willing to forgive a tax collector, he's willing to forgive me too. If he's willing to visit this man's house, what can he do to save me also? So that day, Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to be changed. That encounter at the tree transformed his life. We too found change at a tree, didn't we? The tree that became a cross on what, which Jesus would bleed and die for us. The tree which we're told about as we submitted ourselves to Jesus for that first time. And we keep submitting ourselves to Jesus day by day. The cross led to life and the cross led to us finding hope. So may we, like Zacchaeus, keep pressing on in reaching out to Jesus. May we live by the values of the kingdom of God. But most of all, may we continually say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up again today. Please forgive me. May we say, Lord, change me in my heart. Change me in my actions so that I can live each day for you. Should we pray? Father God, I thank you for Zacchaeus. I thank you for his example. And he teaches us so much about you. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you forgive tax collectors, you forgive sinners, and you forgive us because we are sinners when we come before you, God. We thank you for your blood. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us new life. And we pray that we will follow these actions and we'll follow these lessons and apply them to our own life. And that we'll never lose sight of that tree, the tree that became a cross on which your son Jesus came and died for us. Amen.